0: Or be present to win. Visit LampkinGuitars.com to scope out the Hemp Guitar giveaway details and entry form. You'll even find a video of what could be your guitar in action. L-A-M-K-I-N-Guitars.com What's up, Cannabis Congregation?
1: Thank you for joining us today. And Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there today. We're joined by Sarah Frank from Moms for Marijuana International, so let's get right into it. How are you guys doing? Hey, you Tom, and Sarah.
2: Great. Hi. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day, Sarah. And you bring you. a message of Moms for Marijuana.
1: Yes, of course.
2: <laughs> What's Moms for Marijuana?
1: Uh, Moms for Marijuana is an international grassroots network of parents and citizens around the world that are really focused on raising awareness and promoting education and creating discussion about cannabis and prohibition and the drug war in our local communities.
3: When you, when you started, you started in Washington, didn't you? In Idaho. Oh shit.
2: Idaho. That is a a hard road to hoe. Uh, So can you give us (laughs) like an update on the status of legalization out of Idaho? Hopefully. I think the man has already shut Shara down. That's how much Idaho doesn't like it. Uh, Right? No, for real, though. Yeah, because algorithm shit there. I think she's (laughs) bad. Did I
1: leave? Sorry about that.
2: That's all right. We we asked what the status of cannabis was in Idaho, and then the man shut you down. So could you.
1: uh, (laughs) He doesn't want you to know. (laughs)
2: Of course he doesn't want you to know. But uh, why don't you tell us? And then if you do get shut down again, we'll be like, all right, well, they're clearly watching. (laughs)
1: Idaho is the island of prohibition. It is
0: mm.
1: as prohibition as it can get. They even pull over and arrest truck drivers driving legal hemp through Idaho and confiscate their inventory and their product and their trucks and then charge them and throw them in jail and then put them on probation. So it's, <laughs> and that's after the Farm Bill passed. So Idaho yeah. is completely utter prohibition. Um, our former governor, Butch Otter is the only governor in the nation to veto the CBD for epileptic children bill when it hit his desk.
2: Well, his wow. name is Butch? You know, like <laughs> I don't really expect much from a Butch. Uh, what a heartless oh. asshole, though. Oh yeah, what an ass. Like, oh, this is gonna help out well, children? Not in this state.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, he implemented a trial to test uh, epidialects on 25 mm-hmm. kids in Idaho. And he also received quite a bit of funding from GW Pharmaceuticals to implement these trials, right? As he vetoed the.
3: Oh, sure. Bill for let's us. Try
1: the yeah. <laughs> Here
2: I am drinking a CBD sparkling water. You know, I got this. this can I have this in Idaho?
1: Um, it's a gray area. Ever since the farm bill passed, it's kind of popped up everywhere. So it's, I think something they've kind of are slowly realizing they can't fight it anymore.
2: Really? Cause think, like you go to Benny's beverage Depot, this was $16 a six pack. It's oh. got 20 milligrams of CBD and bubble water in it. And so like, you can sell <laughs> that for like two fifty a can. At like retail prices so it's ridiculous i mean the it, yeah. i couldn't find a six-pack with with alcohol in it that was that expensive but <laughs> cbd you gotta pay for that
1: yeah
3: all right sorry uh, idaho's like a police state though too because uh i know the border is heavily watched on the idaho side how about uh, with oregon how about the other uh bordering states
1: well, with Oregon, I know up north with Washington, there is an issue between the border towns, um, and it's because it's a money racket for sure. Um, they're they're making quite a bit of money out there, um, and then down here, it's you know it's you don't see them every day like people fear, um, but they definitely do go out there and do what I call fishing for potheads. They pull people over and then they immediately call in a canine without anything, you know, without even running the driver's license or anything. And then, um, ask if they can search. And if you don't know your rights, you're stuck on the side of the highway for the next hour with them going through your entire car.
2: Let's and make if you just it, came I mean, over the border, Little little, pro- little, you know, can you search? No, you may not.
3: You know, uh, speaking of, uh, the law and searching, you know, Sarah is quite the badass herself. As far as she smoked on the steps of the Capitol, and oh, uh,
1: I, I didn't smoke. I have to correct you. They did not allow oh. me to light it up.
3: <laughs> you threatened I felt like you. I was going to. Yeah.
1: Well, I they knew I was going to. I told them I was going to, and it was actually a planned uh, protest. You know, um, a smokeout. Yeah,
3: smoke and out. we'd
1: had a couple other smokeouts for New Year's Day in uh, Boise, and lit up on the side of the road, rolled joints on the trash can, and they they didn't really do anything about it. But then we go to the Capitol where it's the Idaho State Police instead of the Boise Police Department. They and we also advertised very profusely and went on the news about it. So mm-hmm. when we showed up, there was dozens of cop cars surrounding the Capitol. They had 38 cops there at final count. Um, See, you're going to
2: rob somebody at this time, and be like, "We're going to go smoke over there, <laughs> hey, I want you guys to knock over that liquor store, that liquor, you know, just just rob everybody <laughs> blind, and then they'll be like, they'll be concerned about the cannabis." It's going you know, to, of course, I do not advocate crime, but at the same time, uh, if you can run distractions like that, you know, you're more likely to get away with it.
1: Right. Well, they were all focused on me. I know some people did light up, but I. <laughs> when i went to go pull it out for 420 and light it up i felt like i was going to be tackled they came rushing Mm -hmm. at me and my friend had to step in front of them and stop them and i had to have a conversation in the middle of my you know spiel i was doing for the news and
2: were they trying to protect you is that why they were trying to protect protect the the joints (laughs) she'll be insane for the rest of her life get her
1: (laughs) Well, I, I told them, you know, fine, I won't light it. I'll just hand it to you. And I didn't want to be tackled, you know, um, as a disabled individual. That's not always the no. best way to go. Um, what got me, though, was a couple months later, a Second Amendment rights rally happened there. And people were walking in and out of the Capitol building strapped to the mat. Yeah.
2: Shit. One of the things that I'm working on for uh, the website, you know, CannabisIndustryLawyer.com, and then also the channel is a uh, a guns and cannabis episode, and there is one from a pro-gun uh, YouTube channel that's out there, and then these guys seem a little duplicit in the sense that you know they're out there trying to fight for your constitutional right to have a gun but they really came down there but then you can't have it because of marijuana and they start defending the law about like why if you use marijuana at all you can't have a gun and I'm like freedom like, you guys you guys forget freedom and rights and like why you have a gun and then the reason probably is because a lot of the guns uh, the gun aficionados very often they're in law enforcement and, um, uh, you know, marijuana is a boondoggle for law enforcement. It makes them so much money. And so they yeah. will, they will. And then where is the NRA? Because how come I can't have uh, a licensed firearm and, and buy a firearm in a licensed fashion because I have my medical card and because I am a, you know, out there uh, cannabis user? I, I try to use it legally. In the uh, the venues where it's where it is actually legal, but uh, or I guess it would be jurisdictions. Venues would be if we were suing uh, the jurisdictions in which it is legal. However, um, you know why are my Second Amendment rights so easy just to sweep under the rug? And I think it's because a lot of the people that like their guns also like their law enforcement and they like to pick yeah. yes, yeah.
1: yes. But it, Idaho is a very you know pro gun state, and we demand our right to bear arms, and we've. Related a lot with the Second Amendment activists because it really does apply. The Second Amendment means you have the right to bear arms no matter what, even if you're a cannabis user, even if you use alcohol, even if you use prescriptions. And, you know, you see them fighting a lot between those. And we try to focus, again, more, you know, it's your Fourth Amendment right, it's your uh, Second Amendment right to be able to possess that it's your First Amendment right to be able to be open and honest about Yeah, I stand up for both my guns and my bong, you know, it's mm-hmm. um, And we actually wrote it into um, had it written into the latest petition We had in Idaho to ensure that we have our right to bear arms because we found a lot of people were, you know, kind of pushing away from it because they hear this you don't have the right to use cannabis and have a gun at the same time. And that's absolutely not true when it comes to the second amendment. And it just needs to be fought more in court.
2: Well, they, they said that the intermediate, immediate scrutiny was enough. And so long as there was some reasonable restriction or some reasonable rationale that, you know, if they are using the substance and then, then other crime can be going on and then therefore they are allowed to abridge your second amendment, right? That easily. And then this is a pro gun YouTube channel arguing against your right to have a gun <laughs> because you use cannabis. And then you mentioned that Idaho is a very pro-gun state and they're one of the most anti-cannabis states. So it's just this cognitive dissonance that they have about like personal liberties, freedoms, the right to, to do what I want. And it's my body, my right. And I'll defend it with my guns. Unless what you're doing is smoking a joint, then they'll come at you to, uh, to prevent you from hurting yourself with that joint. But, um, how like can we audit the cops? Can we like look at the records to see how much money they get from cannabis being illegal and from arresting these people? And so that's another I mean, that that I'm not a criminal lawyer. And so, like, I'm always really kind of approaching it from the deal making side. Why get the law involved when there's money? And, you know, in, but. um <laughs> Uh, that's
1: where they're getting
2: their money at. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's where they're getting their money, and so I have to kind of look at it that way. But I've I've been very disappointed with the um, you know, the NRA when it comes to marijuana. They're nowhere on it, and they don't yeah. care that you as a as a legal quasi legal. I mean, I am. You're in you're in Idaho, so there is no such thing as medical use out there. But in Illinois, we have medical and adult use, and um, so I am not allowed to do a licensed gun transaction because. I am a I'm a felon according to uh, the, the federal law, and I'm I'm a danger uh, because I might be trying to defend my home grow of a couple of cannabis plants for my medicine, which you know right. it it just boggles the mind that they don't go to bat for this. But they'll go to bat. It
1: probably it. really ties in with you know the drug war and the ability to stack on multiple charges, especially and to you know increase a charge when there's a gun involved. They used to use that a lot and they, you know, be able to stack all these things on there and then be able to mediate some sort of plea bargain to get their conviction.
2: So what type of issues does moms for marijuana advocate?
1: Well, like I said, we're all about education, awareness, and discussion. Um, we feel that with these three things, education, Um, people learning the true facts about cannabis, teaching our children the true facts about cannabis. Um, And then with awareness, people, you know, becoming more aware about how it helps people, how it can help our industry and our society and our health and our future um, and the future of our children. Um, And then we start discussions like I go try to smoke a joint on the Capitol steps because it got everybody talking. You know, I didn't do it because I wanted to go to jail, you know, or fight them in court. But because of it, it got people talking. It was on the news. People were talking about it at home. People were talking about it in the courthouse. There were, you know, people I didn't even know coming into the courtroom during our my hearing, you know, just to watch what was happening because it created that discussion. Um, and then we also focus on how, you know, cannabis prohibition is a plague on our future generations and an insult to our ancestors you know we've used this plant for thousands of years for everything and you know i i'm a i'm a dare child i'm of the dare generation you know i grew up with just say no and dare and um was taught that weed is the most evil thing in the entire world Just like everybody else since 1937. And it's just, you know, gone through cycles and it's been passed from generation to generation to generation. So we really advocate ending that cycle of lies and focusing on the true facts of what cannabis can do for us. Mm -hmm. Um, And then because of my own experiences with my daughter and um, learning, you know, about the corruption in child protective services and foster care there's this whole other side to cannabis um, and people losing their families and having them ripped apart, not just because they're going to jail or, you know, because parents are unable to use the cannabis for their kids or for their family, but also because the state is coming in and stealing our children. And because of this, I learned a lot. And then we started just getting more and more and more stories. And what we're finding is that you know, they've been using cannabis since the 1970s to remove children from their parents. And even in legal states, as the law is changing, the department policy is not catching up and they are not aligned. And they will remove children and try to put parents into rehab, even though it's legal in that state.
3: The CPS issues... So- like one of the ones that Sarah that I've known, she's definitely been fighting and helping uh, with along with the Lily Foundation. They, she was part of that uh, beginnings. But before that, she was even doing marches and, and with the activism, you know, before even the CPS issue, it was the, the health issue. Because Sarah, I saw the video with the, uh, the Kings of Pop production. You know, That was Michael Malta. He was an East Coast uh, activist. Who, oh, my goodness. Yeah. See, <laughs> nobody knows. That was my
1: first video. Oh, my but goodness. But still, this is
3: history, right? Oh. I mean, I mean, you've been doing yes. it for such a long time. You're not a come around lately type person. And, and so, no, like, was, yeah, go for it.
1: He was one of the first people I met um, as I phased out of MySpace into Facebook <laughs> and went from being an armchair activist to being, you know, taking to the streets. We like to do chalk walks, things like that. And he, I did an interview with Adam Asenberg up in Moscow, Idaho. They've had a hemp fest there for a while and it was the local public radio and he connected to me to the king of pot.
3: Can you tell and, people more about the chalk walks too? Because I think that was a great thing that you guys are doing because every time there was a CPS issue or somebody else being locked up, you guys were outside being the pest that you should be.
1: Uh, well, it it began with, um, I don't know if anybody remembers, the Occupy movement of <laughs> uh, 2012. I learned about these, or 2010 to 2012, you know, I learned about these activists who had taken to the sidewalks with chalk to get their message across. And they had been arrested, they'd spent time in jail, and they fought it. And the Supreme Court, I'm sorry, the Supreme Court upheld that it's their First Amendment right to chalk on the sidewalk because it's not graffiti. And if you're gonna arrest people for chalking on the sidewalks, you have to go arrest all the six-year-olds that are dying on the sidewalk as well. <laughs> and the Supreme Court said, no, this is First Amendment freedom of speech, freedom of the press, even if it's in, on this you know, ground, it doesn't violate anything. So we kind of took that and ran with it with the Moms for Marijuana chalk walks where we would just get together like once a month with all our kids uh, you know, and different groups around the country and just take a walk in the park on a greenbelt and just chalk cannabis facts, you know, spread that awareness and raise that education, plant those seeds for people to you know, follow up on. Um, and then when the fight for lily happened, it kind of went on into the CPS activism as well. Mm. And those two just mesh so much at times.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So fight for Lily. Uh, for those who don't know, Lily uh, was a daughter of Billy Fisher, right. Who, uh, he lost custody because, uh, cannabis use, right. He was a medical patient. He,
1: he never had custody. Um, Mm. his ex-wife lost custody. And then when we tried to go up and get her from Spokane CPS, they told him he couldn't have her until he did 30 days of inpatient rehab and two years of aftercare for his medical marijuana use. And, um, along with, you know, parenting classes and uh, drug testing. And they, they have a basic four, they have the parenting, they have chemical dependency, they have domestic violence and they have um, counseling, just basic who, mental who health. Who
2: pays for all that?
1: You do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the taxpayer does. It comes out at Title IV Social Security funding. And, um, so, you know, this was Spokane in 2013, right after Washington had just legalized and being the activist that I had been for, you know, half a decade before that, I took it to Seattle Hemp Fest and started meeting people like Miggy and, you know, um, just people who pushed us in the right direction. And we fought back and learned how to fight back and, got her home. And then that just evolved into everything else I know about CPS. CPS. yes yeah,
2: that's really important to do that because so many parents, they don't have the healthiest relationship with one another and they might want to bicker and fight in courts. They call them family cases and uh, they get very, very mean. And some people try to screw over the other people and they'll call child protective services yes. and be like, I know you smoke weed. Test them. And then they're using it to get influence over their own children. And they shouldn't have that ability. I mean, it, it. It, they, and, you know, they yeah, weaponizing it. yeah,
1: they weaponize them. And then at the same time, here is a corrupt family court, you know, child custody court, looking at these parents going, oh, well, there's conflict in this household. Neither of these parents are fit. We're going to come in and steal your children. We've watched that several times after a different case will leave the courtroom and the judge is all you need to call CPS and uh, gets yeah. them, has the court
2: Yeah. We, we cut that. I mean, that was something in our uh, Illinois cannabis law where they put that into it because that was a thing. And I'd, I'd seen that, you know, firsthand as well, but just that they, that they have that ability to do it because it's, it's cannabis. And then they don't have the ability to be like, no, test them for nicotine. They're smoking in front of my child, send them to rehab. Take yeah, they, cannabis, you know.
1: We actually asked the social workers in Spokane. Well, what about you know Billy's nicotine addiction? What about his Pepsi addiction? <laughs> you know, why why don't they care about those things? And they're like, well, those are legal. I'm like, but cannabis is legal too. <laughs> you know, yeah. they just the policy and the state laws just don't mesh until somebody trains them differently.
3: Well, plus CPS is kind of like an organization that where, you know, we have conspiracy theories about why marijuana and and we're in a state of disarray for what it is but when you're a cps individual it's a low-hanging fruit okay let me go bust these people now i got a kid in custody and i can farm this kid out to an adopted agency or some shit you know it's just a it's a it's like a farm you know and and cannabis is one of the reasons
1: cannabis is one of millions of reasons that they use i've heard everything from um there were crayons on the floor so that's a choking hazard to um we're
2: gonna need to audit you this. <laughs> <We're>
1: gonna, <laughs> yeah. I want to stay paying
2: their guys' bills because, like, very often when there's when there's BS regulation and, and, and enforcement that makes no sense, usually what happens is if you follow the money, they're paying off the government or, or there's a boondoggle out there, and somebody's get profiting off of this um, bad policy outcome. And it's so the
1: states bad, are
2: yeah. So the states, right? So then they they have they take the kids they put the kids over there and then somebody's getting paid to do that and then they make them go over to rehab yes. and rehab people probably have a contract with the state and they're getting paid over there and then of course the cops they're getting paid and then the, the prisons hopefully they're not privatized do you guys have privatized prisons in Washington state
1: We're in Idaho. We do in Idaho. I don't know about Washington and that may have been a part of it, but you're absolutely right. Everybody is getting paid when it comes to CPS, social workers, the providers, the adoptive yeah. parents, the foster parents, right. the people po- driving them back and forth, the visitation mm-hmm. centers, the clerks at the court, the bailiff at the court, the security mm-hmm. guards at the CPS office, you mm-hmm. know, the supervisors, the regional directors. It goes up and up and up. Um, one, the privatized part of it I found with Child Protective Services <laughs> is um, I learned recently in a the show on Netflix, The Trials of Gabriel Fernandez, which is a devastating show. And it really goes into another side of how CPS is broken about children needing help who don't get the help they need. And it all boils down to a certain company not allowing social workers to have overtime. So they shut them down or not allowing them to go, you know, it becomes a the budget being the bottom line and not the best interest of the children. And uh, that show, the trial of Gabriel Fernandez points out that it's a company called Maximus, which is a for-profit company that actually has traded stocks and everything.
2: Yeah, that's, that's wrong. I mean, and then there's certain things that are public goods and there's also certain things that you can't put a profit margin into because, yeah, while they are a necessary service uh, that the state should provide, they are not a necessary business that we should uh, allow to grow. So like when you have uh, privatized prisons in Idaho or anywhere, and they have heads and they want th- them to be put on beds. So they aren't going to be able to make enough money unless they have enough people that are in there so they can get the money from the federal or the state government. And, you know, that type of, um, profit margin creates an incentive a perverse incentive and that perverse incentive is we need crime to happen or we need criminals to happen so we can maximize our profits or we need children being taken out of their homes so that we can actually afford our budgets and those types of policies create these types of problems and i I, and the thing is though because when it's weed or when it's kids from broken homes i think people are just so callous because they're like meh they're potheads. They're just prejudiced. Yeah. yeah,
1: and they don't care. And it's it's exactly that. It's you know the, the, the profit margin. And every year they need more and more kids to create more and more profit, the same as they would with prisoners. So they need to remove them. And the difference between criminal and family law, the custody issue, the juvenile law, um, with these uh, child welfare courts, is that in criminal law, you need a warrant to arrest somebody and you need um, evidence and facts and a who what when where this happened this crime was violated you know this crime was committed this law was violated but when it comes down to cps and removing children from their homes all they just need hearsay somebody just needs to call up cps and say this is happening and then that sends in an investigator and Even if there's not enough evidence, we find that social workers are so poorly trained or some of them even just straight out lie to get children in those beds because they receive quarterly bonuses, they receive adoption bonuses. Um, So they're rewarded by the state for the more and more children that they take and put in these beds. So using cannabis, you know, especially with these legal states where everybody is using cannabis now, they, you know, have a easy way to make profit where they're not having to deal with angry people and they're not having to deal with drunk people and crackheads and people like that. Um, And when you look at the budget, um, according to the state budgets, they receive more money when a child is not in their home. They receive more money per foster bed that they fill through foster care stipends. And then they receive an adoption bonus for every adoption out of foster care. And then they receive adoption stipends every single month for these children, and it all goes to balance the budget. They spend a couple hundred thousand, you know, or you're in the high hundred thousands for things like food stamps in Idaho, but then they get millions for foster care and adoption stipends. So it's, you know, if you were to take that away from the state, the state wouldn't have any money to balance its budget and then get more to claim for next year.
2: Yeah, well,
3: ask that. <laughs> that.
1: Yes, that is one of my arguments as well for sure.
3: But that funding you're talking about is another part of how like this imbalance of justice happens, right? Like funding for research for cannabis, how that doesn't happen because they have to look for bad things and funding for departments of justice to cage kids. I mean, it's all part of the contribution to how fucked up our system is. But Sarah, do you think in Idaho it's getting better? Because there's people like you and Russ who are from Idaho that are actually, you know, who, who stand for common sense or fighting for this, you know, uh, positions, you know, because you back in the day, too, you helped like Lindsay Reinhardt, like when her kids were taken away, like because of yes. cannabis. So, I and mean,
1: that actually but... happened right at the same time as the fight for Lily started. We mm. just didn't go public about it for a couple of months. So I was and I, I didn't have much knowledge, you know, about law or about CPS or how to fight. Um, but I did have knowledge about cannabis and there was no way like with Lindsay's case, they wanted to charge her with injury to a child. And I've seen this happen. They're charging parents who use cannabis or give cannabis to their kids with injury to a child when cannabis can't injure anybody ever. We know this. Yeah. We as activists, we who smoke it, we who have done our research and have education about cannabis know that nobody's ever died ever, right. but or really been injured. You know, it's,
2: Yeah, Yeah. they have these BS claims and they've been unsubstantiated, but then they have these BS claims that cannabis, for some reason, changes your brain, which... It's really, really, you know, that's one of those well, studies that's going to get funding, though. Like, you're only going to get approved for studies. To be like, I would like to charge to figure out how, like, this this problem happens. That you know, you but got- they
1: don't want you to do that because they have a patent on it. That's six six three zero five zero seven. Of course, it changes your brain. It expires. It's a, it expires, it's a neuroprotectant.
3: Yeah, fired this year. (laughs) The
2: The reason why they don't want more science is because like that science was bad and it was suspect, and from the 1970s. And then they did another study in the 1990s, and it didn't show it. Uh, And then they did another one where like not just the monkeys using a functional equivalent of a joint, they were just injecting (laughs) vast quantities of THC into rats. Still, no change to the brain, but it perpetuates. And then people like you can ask anybody, and they will. Without batting an eye, say like, well, it's bad for children. It changes their brains. Like, like they so, heard right. it from because, God
1: because they're programmed. You know, we we've all been programmed. I used to be programmed. I used to believe it killed brain cells and yeah. caused cancer.
2: But you're a
0: dare and, kid,
1: right? Because I'm a dare kid. Yeah. And then when I first started researching it, it, it saved my life. And then I got curious. I'm like, wait a minute, this helped me. You know, it, it got me off of opiates and got me out of my bed and moving again and able to be a mom. And so I started doing my research, and the first thing I learned was not only does it not kill brain cells, it kills cancerous brain cells through the Seth Foundation in California and through Dr. Uh, Guzman in Madrid, Spain. You know, I'm finding it kills cancer, and it's, it's not everything I was taught. Those were the first things I learned, and I got goosebumps immediately, and I was like, well, why don't people know this? And then so that's why I made the MySpace page and started just spreading that information and... (laughs) <laughs> My favorite thing about cannabis is that it's been 15 years of me researching this, and I still learn new stuff every day. This is mm-hmm. the most amazing plant I have ever encountered, and we still have zero understanding of it compared to the potential that it has for us as humans and for our planet and for our children.
3: You know, A lot of lines, with that program that you're talking about, let's talk about shitty programming. I mean, how much sense as to make that your governor is going to approve an Epidiolex fucking you know it's okay to have a manufactured extraction from this plant but you just can't have the actual plant like you know and we're not trying to isolate any of these cabinoids for taking out toxin effects we're just isolating cannabinoids for whatever reasons that's all they're doing it's not right. for we're trying to get the bad stuff out we're just trying to pick and choose what we want they're not saying bad stuff you know period uh, overall yeah. it's just a fucking plant like you're saying
1: you know. It's just money. And I'm totally a whole plant person because they all work together. You know, the, yeah. the science behind it shows they all work together. We need that entourage effect. Um, but when you look at Idaho, it's just money. It's their prisons, it's their police force. It's up in, uh, I just got done with a case up in Lewiston um, where they were offering people $250 fine for a marijuana possession ticket. Um, with zero jail time, zero community service, zero probation. Whereas down South, they that, they have those things, the probation, the, what they called sealed, which is the sheriff's labor duty, you know, the people on the side of the highway picking stuff up. Mm-hmm. And it's all of these things are money. They're part of their money making machine and they're milking this cash cow until it dies. And that's yeah. all I see happening. They're not going to let go of it until it is completely 100% dead. Um, they always argued, you know, 10 years ago that, oh, well, we, we can't legalize medical marijuana because it's not federally legal. Right. But then the farm bill passes. Industrial hemp is legal and they still can't legalize industrial hemp <laughs> because so it's not about what the feds want. And then half the time our governor's fighting with the, go- the feds on gun laws. You know, so it, it, it's 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 about money. It's all about their donations. And that $10,000 donation they got from GW Pharmaceutical, that's the top amount you can receive as a candidate. And Jotter got his share of that.
3: Oh, for sure. Hmm. He, he, you know, on his mom's then day. Re- Okay.
1: <laughs> then he retired. So it's, you know...
3: It's just kind of convenient, right? You kind of run away with the money, the little bag of cash, you fuck over as many people as you can, and you're just like, I serve my community. (laughs) We
1: can speculate all we want, you know. It's but the numbers show the the public finance campaigns and you know, for their campaigns and that that donation was there and that trial happened and he vetoed that bill. You know, it's there are a lot of children in Idaho depending on that bill. Yeah. Off, people off which is what pushes us forward as well the more our government fights us the more the people are getting pissed off and saying well why isn't this done already we, we already know the facts we see the taxes we what's see the, what it does for children
2: what's the population of idaho
1: um i just looked this up the other day too i'm sorry yeah, <laughs> it's, it's pretty big we, yeah it's it's over a million um
2: I, I would say upper, closer to oh, two. Well, what, more than that? I, I believe it's more
1: than
2: that. A lot of the West Coast states, um, they have this personal freedom that's you know more popular in the West. Miggy's always going on about his personal freedoms, and you know, and I tell him, no, over here in the Midwest, we have moral indignation and righteousness, and uh, how <laughs> you know all those types of things. What is the culture in Idaho? Because you're painting it as being fairly conservative. Mm-hmm. So, like, they love their Idaho. Gun.
1: Yeah, Idaho is known as one of the most conservative states. But at the same time, I, I think we're kind of in between the two of you. You know, the, the major freedoms are on the West Coast for sure. Um, I call where I live. I live 20 miles over the border temporarily um, into Oregon because Idaho laws are bad for my health. and I. But I also want to be able to go home. So I'm an hour and a half from my home and my family. But I'm in a state where it's legal. And, um, but I call it Western Idaho (laughs) because the the same mentality is happening over here. And we actually had a CPS case here where it was a legal medical grow and they took a two-year-old out of the house because they believed the one pot leaf on the floor would kill her. This was the the social worker's statement in court. (laughs) And it's- The pot leaf on
2: the floor, what did the pot leaf have a gun, and was the pot leaf actually sentient <laughs> and able to pull oh, the trigger? Uh,
1: but but guns are everything in this area, you know, for ranchers and for the farmers and you know Idahoans. It's and it is. I've seen it several different times, viewed as less marijuana is viewed as more dangerous than the guns. Um, Like with me almost getting tackled on the Capitol steps and then having a second amendment rally, but, or the day that Lindsay Reinhardt's kids were taken that same day, a child, you know, in Middleton, Idaho, I believe found a loaded gun under the seat of his parents' car and shot his baby brother. And thank God that child is okay, but they didn't go take the children away because it was an accident, you know, (laughs) but they took Lindsay's kids away because her child Supposedly got a hold of cannabis. It's still and pick so, and choose. Yeah. yeah. And,
3: and more it's dangerous with more
1: interests
2: than weed. Like,
3: yes. That
2: <laughs> you know, we have to have this conversation shows that it, uh, Idaho is uh, what was colloquially known as a pejorative. And now we just kind of say special. And so, like, <laughs> Idaho is very special it sounds like but be careful with how you phrase that cuz they're also armed to the teeth so you have to be careful <laughs> when you're telling a state you're stupid but armed you know and so yeah Idaho and Mike Crapo in the Senate perfect name <laughs> perfect name from a guy from Idaho because his ideas are going to be crap but also rhyme with the name of the state crapo uh, and uh, he is the guy that I mean, he, he, the, the Safe Banking Act flew through the uh, House of Congress or the House of Representatives in Congress. And then they get to the Senate and it was just butchered by Mike Crapo's banking committee. They wanted to put a two percent threshold for THC.
1: Yeah. See, our representatives are just making us famous for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. <laughs> you know, our 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 governor. Uh, well, you know, the I, new I've governor, been, all of them. Crapo, you know, the best thing Crapo did for us I like to pronounce was, it
2: Crapo, but still. The best
1: Mike thing he crapo, did for if us... I could, if I can correct <laughs> the
2: pronunciation of your name, uh, it's crap, <laughs> Crapo. Yeah, it's,
1: <laughs> well, the best thing he did for us was do that because it caught everybody's attention. Now Ooh. everybody's mad at Idaho. And the people in Idaho are seeing this and, you know, it's, it's not the people of Idaho who don't want cannabis. It's yeah. the politicians and they're the ones who are in control. And if we could just get it on the ballot, it, it'll pass. I, I, I believe full legalization would pass. Oh. You know, I've talked to so many people. I've talked to thousands of people over the years and there has been a very obvious change. I used to go up and say, Hey, what do you think about cannabis? And they'd look at me and go, What's that? You know, and then you'd say the word marijuana and they'd run away practically. And yeah. now it's nurses going, Oh, I want, wish we could give this to our patients. And people are like, Oh, my wife's a doctor. And, you know, uh, My husband's a police officer and we definitely need this. And so the the stigma has changed. Everybody knows what cannabis is. Everybody wants CBD, but they're also finding out that CBD isn't giving them the miraculous effects that they were promised because it's just CBD. Hmm. So it's, you know, the people want it. If we could get it on the ballot, it would happen in a heartbeat. But all these things prevent us from getting on the ballot. Like the, they made some restriction around the time that Lindsay Reinhart was um, helping with Compassion Idaho and that petition they made it so that we now have to get 18 out of, we have to get six percent of the voting population in 18 out of 35 legislative districts around the state as well Jesus as six percent of the entire state yeah and they last year they were also trying to uh, restrict the petition laws even more make giving well, a shortened would- time and more requirements we saw this
2: uh, exact same thing happen in arkansas we had a guest on from arkansas trying to get cannabis on the ballot there and for some reason these ballot laws have been around for a while but then somebody tries to get cannabis on it and suddenly they're like oh no (laughs) we need to raise the bar on all of our our requirements and then they raise the bar on all the requirements so that being the case seeing how idaho appears to be doing that what about like drug-free Idaho? Are they gonna just crap their pants if this gets on the ballot and everybody's gonna throw everything against uh the, the vote and they're gonna really they're gonna go full lies like oh, the Nixon administration did?
1: We yeah. we know it's coming and we just hold on to the fact that cannabis sells itself, you know. Yeah. It, the the truth about cannabis is out there you just have to research it and most people are aware of it and most or most people don't care you know and um they see how it helps people and they want that especially for their friends and family and their own children and it's you know it's just going to take time um we we know they're going to come out with all sorts of things they already came right after that video came out they uh, started putting up billboards across the state, and all these different things. And they when they the movie came out, the director of Drug Free Idaho made me call him and promise not to light up a joint in the movie theater.
3: What?
1: He, he was worried. And then we had an hour and a half long conversation where I tried to educate him. And he kept asking me, well, if you were presented with the real information and it contradicted what you believe, what you're thinking, would you change your mind? And I'm like, dude, I already did. I'm yeah. a dare child. Yeah, I, I everybody else.
2: No, 60% of people won't. And it's like, Hey, I uh, really don't like how your facts
3: are getting in the way of my beliefs. I've, well, yeah, right. you
1: know,
3: like you said, Sarah, the, the, the people of Idaho are not all living in 1930. Just the, just the politicians, you know, I've been to Boise it's a college town, It's badass. I've been to uh, even the small towns like Pocatello and Idaho Falls. Like one of those small towns had the the Museum of Bodies come through, which you know that was pretty like modern. I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) Like this.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's a beautiful state, and I used to run away from it. I've lived in Arizona and Oregon and Washington, all for the cannabis laws, you know, and uh, the access that I had because I need it for my health and. Then I realized that the one thing I don't like about Idaho—well, not the one thing, but the one thing that I is keeping me from living there—I can change. You know, mm. so I focus on Idaho and I focus on changing that for me and for my children, so I can move home. I'd like to go home. You know, mm. I'm kind of in exile. Um, but you know, the one thing that I have a problem with is the one contributing to factor for all the things I have a problem with Idaho. And it's an outdated administration, you know, a, an outdated Congress. And it, it's starting to change. We're getting quite a few people. And, you know, as they see that it's not the end of the world when legalization happens, more and more people step out. And Once we get it on the ballot, it'll happen.
3: I mean, Iowa's a great place to smoke. I've done it, just not legally.
1: <laughs> Nobody can do it legally. There's <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: a
3: bunch of uh, old white men in the uh, House of
2: Legislature in Idaho, or, or what?
1: That's about, we're just waiting for things to change. <laughs> um, we know it, it's a good old boy mentality, for sure. And that's when you get people like Crapo and Otter and... I've never people who've been, by been his there for name. the last ten years. I can't wait to.
2: I'm never going to call Senator Crapo by his real name. Uh, and, <laughs> and, oh yeah, no. Uh, and I hope I meet him. Uh, I'll be nice. I mean, I'm not going to like take him out back and try to kick his ass or nothing. But uh, I'd be tempted. And That's then, no, um, yeah, why not? And then, but then I would, I would call him Crapo. Uh, and I'd, and I'd right, pastor, you, I, and I. Right,
1: but you, you know. Hope, yeah you know who our Senator is and you have this issue with him and you don't even live in Idaho. That kind of shows the rest of the world or shows Idaho, what the rest of the country is thinking about us. No, yeah. but
2: it's my industry. And so like he's standing in the way of my industry growing and then cannabis helping more people and all my clients not getting ripped off uh, because they can't get bank accounts as easily. And so then they're able to, if they can find a bank, that bank has them by the uh you know the cojones, and they can charge as much as they want because you really need a bank account when you're dealing with the kind of cash that a dispensary yes. or a grow puts out. You don't you don't want the risk of having to just have a million dollars. Like I don't want a million dollars in my house. Yeah. I don't. You know, not in cash. <laughs> I'd rather, much rather be in a bank ledger. Well, he's also it needs to, to
1: be brought into the 21st century, yeah. you know, it's been outdated or it's been prohibited and demonized for almost a hundred years. And we know that that's not true. The lies have unraveled There, you know, activists for the last 40 years, you know, Jack and everybody who's been just stomping the ground and making sure that this information is out there for us to carry on the conversation and then have our children carry on that conversation. We just, it's the future. We need to choose which side of history we're going to be on Mm -hmm. because everything's changing and it is definitely the future of our world.
3: I think crap was also stopping the uh, progression of American justice. You know, we're, you know, if, if, if we can just show like, Hey, there's a billion trillion dollars in the bank accounts of these fuckers, you know, in the multi-level States, you know, maybe people consider, you know, that people like Lance could be free and then people like Tracy don't have to be mother, you know, sonless for mother's day, you know? And, you know, Sarah, you, you've been doing the whole family, for the kids type shit. I mean, you did the cash hide when he was, uh, here, you know, RIP, that guy, he was one of the first kids like pre Charlotte's web, you know, that it helped make his life better. It's just some diseases. You just can't stop period. I mean, we just try and help make a better life, a better get through this situation that we're in, you know, weeds helped me through my quarantine. You know, plus it's healthy through my Mondays. Plus well, it's, it's essential. Through-
1: I'm <laughs> just that saying. Validation for every activist in the entire world that cannabis has been declared essential. And but yet in Idaho, we can't even have it.
3: <laughs> so if like your senator or douche could just get his ab- head out of his ass, then we could probably, you know, progress the world. But you were so kind because even with the cops that arrest you, you're just like, look, I don't want to get tackled, but we're friends still.
1: Like, <laughs> well, we got to use wrong. our manners. It's a civilized society, and they're just doing their job. And not, my job is to change the law so that they can do their job differently.
3: It's mean, a society. They just take. They just take. <laughs> I just, you <laughs> know, I, I, I just wish there was a higher bar for a lot of police enforcement. You know, a lot of these people think that they're the law, that, you know, how about just the will of the people?
1: A you lot know? of it also has to do with training. Um, I noticed that with my Lewiston court case. But the, they immediately call in a canine and doing the research and the Idaho Supreme Court has already declared you can't go outside the scope of a traffic stop without probable cause and to just call in a canine immediately with me it was um, that I was shaking and then I got pulled over like a week after that got all settled and the guy immediately called in that canine and it's like why are they calling in a canine without even running a driver's license? without even, you know, any smell or any probable cause whatsoever and it's because it's how they're trained and you know the same thing goes for social workers. It's mm. how they're trained and every department is different, every supervisor is different and some of them are ignorant and some of them are straight up malicious. So same with cops and
2: same it, with politicians. You know,
1: yeah. Same with politicians. <laughs> and
2: uh, and industry types that have uh, interests
1: And everybody, it's like I teach my kids, you know, being a cop, being a judge, being a social worker, being a cashier at McDonald's, these are jobs and it's a personal decision how you interact with the people that you have to interact with. Are you going to treat them correctly and be a good person and make the right decision? Or are you going to be malicious and use your power to hurt somebody? And, you know, it's any job you have.
3: Definitely ninety percent of the times I've dealt with cops, I've always been honest and straightforward. And, but there's that ten percent that have fucked with me, you know, because of smell. Whereas you know the other ninety are like, "Hey, you're honest with me, thank you." But you know that's why I like Seattle half best because you see how police and people can get along. Where it's like, "Hey, we're just over here smoking a joint or whatever, and you're standing there watching me not do shit."
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, it's and that's, you know, one of the other things with Idaho and where the drug war really does play into it is I have never dealt with police the way I have, like I have in Idaho. I've dealt with police all over the country, you know, especially when it comes to CPS stuff, because social workers like to call the cops when you're chalking up their sidewalks. But, you know, they respect the First Amendment. I have never had anybody not respect my constitutional rights the way the Idaho cops do. not just the ISP, but different counties, different police. And it's all about training, you know, and it's, you don't, you know, you working with them and talking with them and being honest with them often doesn't get you anywhere anyway. So you immediately want to shut up and you immediately want to invoke your rights and it's out of fear. And a lot of people, you know, it's they have PTSD over interaction with police and even the Supreme Court acknowledged that in some of their rulings that people are, Nervous when dealing with police and you shouldn't be you shouldn't have to be and it comes from this fear of authority and the of, you know, especially in Idaho with weed that I'm doing something that's gonna end up putting me in jail and getting my kids taken away and losing my job and losing my house and losing my car. Yeah. And it's just a plant that is very, very, very beneficial you know, I, as a mom, I definitely agree that, you know, there can be dangers, you know, getting too high. I've taken some of those medibles. I I know how it can be. I've been taking a big dab before. There definitely needs to be restrictions to help children who don't have experience and knowledge the same way with alcohol, but throwing people in jail for it is just not okay anymore. And yeah. we are way beyond that now. And it needs to stop, especially for people like Lance who are, yeah. you know, it's, people who are in there as there are people who are making money off of this industry. And then there are people who have lost their lives to this industry and their children and their homes. Uh, We need to find some balance and even it out here.
3: That's right. Social equity. We forgot to mention too, Sarah, that you are the uh, Boise Hemp Fest, right?
1: Yes. I'm the event coordinator for Boise Hemp Fest. So thank you so much for joining us today. Where can we find and follow uh, moms for marijuana? It's momsformarijuana.org, all words spelled out. Awesome. And on Facebook, of course. Oh, yeah. We'll throw that in the description. Uh, Thanks for watching, everybody. Make sure you like and subscribe to keep up with all cannabis legalization news. We'll see you on Wednesday.
2: Happy Mother's Day. (laughs) Happy Mother's Day.